Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Most animal species go through a juvenile development stage where they play with each other. Think puppies and kittens. Human beings are different. We don't grow out of playing. We come up with a myriad of ways for people of all ages to enjoy themselves. Here in New Orleans, there's a whole industry devoted to creating fun things for adults to do. Sometimes it's in the guise of work as part of a convention, and other times it's simply, well, fun. The industry is called the event production business, sometimes known as party planning. As you'll know from planning your own parties, from oh, birthdays to Bacchus, organizing a successful fun gathering is serious business. Like every type of business, it evolves. One of the newest local evolutions is a company called Raising Hell Events. Raising Hell started life in 2022 and is responsible for giving birth to events like Asking for a Friend, a series of networking get-togethers at various locations aimed at letting screen-centric young adults find friends in real life. Swifty Fest, a massively popular Taylor Swift dance party, and the Y2K Sleepover series at the Broad Theater, a, a nostalgic look back at the films you might have watched if you were at a sleepover in the early 2000s. It's not your father's event production company, it's Heck, it's not even your big brothers. Raising Hell Productions is the creation of founder and creative director, Julia Delois. Julia, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. Awesome to be here. When we humans are not playing, we watch other people play. We watch them play sports. We watch them play musical instruments. We're so enthusiastic about watching people play music that when we can't go to see them play live, we watch them on a screen. When we first discovered this pastime could be a mass market business back in the 1980s, music television, or MTV as it called itself, became a massive worldwide sensation. Today it's all over for MTV, but memorializing music on film and on places like YouTube and TikTok is still a sizable segment of the entertainment industry. Locally, a New Orleans-based content creative company called Lavoie Creative made a movie called Roots of Fire. It's about current Cajun music and musicians, and it has won all kinds of awards. They also produce a wide range of other film and video content, including the TV show, My Amazing Cheap Date, New Orleans. And they have a branch office in San Francisco where they make film content for companies like Google, Pandora, Netflix, Bank of America, and many more companies uh, that are really household names. The co-founder of Lavoie Creative, along with his wife, Abby, is Jeremy Lavoie. Jeremy, welcome down to lunch. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Julia, people in event production typically come to it from a background of public relations or the hospitality industry. You have a whole other history. Before launching Raising Hell Events, you were a writer, actor, and comedian. That might explain why the events you put on are unique, but it doesn't entirely explain why you're successful. That speaks to your ability as a business person. Is the common thread connecting Raising Hell's eclectic events 
your understanding of the demographic, the millennial or Gen Z market, or is there some other secret sauce to a Raising Hell event that makes it work? Thank you so much. I um, Yeah, I like to think something about it is intrinsic and does kind of come from the, the comedy background for sure, where those things, you know, um, writing, acting, those are all attempts at connecting, right? Comedy is successful when you connect with the people that you're talking to. So I think my ideas, my best, most creative ideas, definitely, um, yeah, speak to that same thing of, of trying to connect with people. I think there's something about this post-pandemic landscape where people are really more ready to believe that like fun is important frivolity is not frivolous you know like these things that we missed so much levity and and joy and connection and i think new orleans like you know you have to you don't have to convince people of that so much as maybe other places but especially post-pandemic i think people are really ready to throw down and to raise hell. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, it seems like there are two sides to your business represented by your two offices. One's in San Francisco and the other here in New Orleans. On the face of it, it looks like San Francisco, where you create film and video content for big name clients, is where the company makes money and New Orleans is where y'all spend money on passion projects. Is that right? Or even with everything we hear about the difficulties in the film business, can you make money on independent productions? Wow, can you make money on independent productions? Um, some people do, I think. We, we haven't yet cracked that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think what you said is exactly right. Our production company started in San Francisco. So I grew up in Lake Charles, but moved there for college and stayed. Um, and that's where Abby and I met, my partner. And uh, yeah, we, we sort of came up in that new media era in San Francisco making videos for tech companies. We worked at a cable network at the time. Um, and when we relocated to New Orleans, one of the reasons was to work on our documentary that we had started in the Bay Area, which is Roots of Fire, um, about sort of modern Cajun music. Um, and the dream was that we could sustain ourselves here in New Orleans. Um, but our business model has been one where the bulk of our revenue comes from our business that's out in the Bay Area, and we're slowly trying to sort of crack the New Orleans market and figure out how our production company fits into telling stories for you know local businesses and companies here. But in the meantime, we're making documentaries, which is what our real passion is. Now you started in the, really the kind of standard convention planning business and just thought it was boring, right? And uh, how did you realize there was something else out there? Yeah, so I had, um, you know, my, my background in comedy had led to sort of producing comedy shows and I started producing them more as like full filled out events. So like drink specials, other little activations that made it more of a whole event than just a show. Um, and then in my, yes, in my, in my daytime, my full-time role, I was producing, I was kind of doing event planning for things like seminars, like leadership development seminars, um, you know, one day business conferences, kind of sales workshops, things like that. And the most creative decisions that I got to make were like, you know, what color is the balloon arch going to be, you know? <laughs> um, and so it was kind of when I, when I realized that was sort of the, that piece of that job was the thing that I connected to the most with about that job. The, the event planning was what I found myself the most attached to. And so I kind of, it was the two kind of dovetailed with having the more creative ideas, realizing the event planning skills that I got in the, in the corporate field um, were useful, that I could sort of apply them to more creative, creative means. Um, or working. I say, I say using them for good and not boring. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, 
you've got a couple of really interesting things, but the one that grabbed <laughs> me was the, the the 50 cheap dates in New right. Orleans. I'm dying to see, where were they? I'm, oh my God, so where were the people cheap dates? People wanna know this. So the. So what I would say to that is download Very Local. It's a free app. Um, you can watch all the episodes there. It's ad-based, so you don't have to pay for anything. There's 12 half-hour episodes. We shot 96 locations over the course of the uh, the season. So it's, you know, whenever I think about that, it's just like a blur. Like, we went everywhere. <laughs> um, you know, if you could go there, we probably went there. Um, but so the theme of the show was that, you know, you pit two couples against each other. Um, half the couples on the show were blind dates, half were um, established couples, and they more or less got four activities that they had to complete, and it generally broke down to a restaurant, a bar, and then two sort of things like do something at a park, like, you know, like we rode the swan boats at City Park one day, you know, like kind of stuff like that, or like go axe throwing, or um, I'm trying to think of other things. Like some people did um, like the move your brass, like twerk dancing, because it's free, you know, at Crescent Park, stuff like that. Um, yeah, so, it's a real love letter to New Orleans, so definitely it's not like it's not touristy stuff. And the cast is very—it's uh, like a really good cross section. Everybody from like baby boomers to twenty-something transplants. You know, it's just kind of—it's it, yeah, it's a fun show. Check it out. <laughs> you know, Julie, I'm I'm trying to figure one thing out. You put on these independent events like uh, the Swifty Festival, which I can't stop talking about. And um, and but do you also work for established clients? Yeah, so a lot of my ideas, you know, will start as an idea that I have that I'll then sort of approach venues that I think might be a fit. But then sometimes venues will approach me and say, what kind of ideas do you have for our space? And so that's really fun, too, because I really like to um, I really like to kind of let the space inspire the idea. I kind of go there, spend time there, like what would be fun in this space? What would work well? Um, I have one ongoing client right now, a new distillery in uh, opening in the Bywater St. Claude neighborhood, Barrasso Spirits, that I'm really excited about. I'm helping them with marketing and event stuff in these early stages. Um, they're getting ready to open. So I work, yeah, I work with I work with venues and, and clients in a bunch of different capacities, for sure. Would I be surprised where some of these take place? No. No. Okay. All right. Good. Like, is there anything weird? No. Was, no. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Once we got to shake your brass, I started started thinking about these things. <laughs> yeah, I wish we had known about your company when we were doing our show. It would have probably been. Yeah, there could have yeah, been a yeah. lot of overlap yes, there. Lots of you know? <laughs> free events. Yeah. And, yep. Yeah. For sure. I think, Jeremy, even though it's great to be home in Louisiana and such, it, there's such a different market. You were dealing with uh, Silicon Valley companies with endless amounts of cash. And that's not really here. We are uh, Silicon Bayou, but uh, it's not the same thing. How are you adapting to that? I mean, most of our work here has been working in Unscripted. So like with My Amazing Sheep Date or, you know, me DPing or producing for Unscripted shows that are here. Um, and then just sort of your generalized commercial corporate work. Um, we haven't done a lot of the branded storytelling that we did out in the Bay, but we would like to. I think that there's a lot of room for that here, whether it's you know smaller local businesses or even some of the bigger corporations that are based in town um, could really use that type of content. And you know we would love to do it. But. Julia, I gotta ask, does working in a fun business rob the activities of fun? You know, I won't say it robs it of fun. It definitely transforms your sense of fun. And it's also interesting. I, I really identify as like a pretty huge introvert. Like I would pretty I would much rather that. be at home with a book than anything else. So counterintuitively, 
it, you know, it kind of works as a nightlife producer where it's like something has to be this fun for me to want to get off of my couch, turn off the TV, shut my book, and I can't ask for people's time, attention, and energy unless it's something I would I would want to go out for. But with the with the introversion, I feel like I'm expending a lot of social energy at my events, hosting, producing, mingling, but I feel like I don't really have a social life because, um, you know, my events are, those are the places that I go out and that's, and then my social energy is zapped. And uh, so I don't, you know, I'm not going out with my friends other nights in the week. And so sometimes it can feel like I'm like asking my friends to do, you know, they're always coming to support me. They're always, but that's the way that I, I see people. And it, yeah, so it's, um, it's a strange way to spend social energy. I always have fun. Yeah, I always have fun. It's a different, it's a different game. It really is, yeah. You know, I hear a lot of comedians are actually introverts. I that's, think it's yeah. common. Something about the, the writing impulse. I don't know. Would you say you identify as an introvert? I would. Yeah, I, I think I'm definitely more introverted than extroverted. Yeah. And I can also very easily curl up with a book. And, you know, I, I relate yeah. to that a lot where it's like the, the work needs to be elevated on an entertainment level to engage you, to get you out of the house. Because it's, it's so yeah. much easier to just be like, I'm going to be in my PJs. You totally. Know? And <laughs> I think post pandemic, like I think in, in, a, in a good way, we all kind of had, you know, got like a higher threshold. Stuff has to meet a higher threshold for like what we're willing to do, you know? Because I think we all got comfortable. It's like, right, we can just stay home. <laughs> You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Julia Delois from event production company Raising Hell Events and Jeremy Lavoy from content creation agency Lavoy Creative. You know, Jeremy, the, the second piece we're going to talk about is that Roots of Fire about Cajun music and such. And there's something you've hit on in that um, movie or documentary is the fact that in Acadiana, I guess two generations ago, people were encouraged not to speak French anymore. And now when I talk to people from that region, they're wonderful, happy people, but they're kind of angry that that happened. Uh, do, do you have you cover some of that? Yeah, that's a big part of Roots of Fire. So, it, you know, Roots of Fire is a music documentary, first and foremost. It's very music forward. Um, we spent a lot of time investing in recording the music well, no matter where it was at. But the underlying theme of Roots of Fire is a cultural theme about Francophone Louisiana in that region, particularly with people who descend in some way from the Acadians and thus Arcadians, um, and how they lost their language, which is a big part of their culture, and also how it has been revitalized or at least attempted to come back in the last 20 years. Um, my paternal grandmother was one of those kids that was told not to speak French in school. And then later on in her life, um, she became a French teacher and was integral in bringing French language back to Louisiana schools in Calcasieu Parish. <laughs> Calcasieu Parish was one of the first parishes that had French immersion in Louisiana. People don't realize that, but um, but yeah, and so my so my grandma was involved in that, and Roots of Fire delves into that a lot. So we we tell that story, and Jordan Thibodeau, who's one of the main artists that's in Roots of Fire, is you should follow him on Instagram. He does these really funny French lessons, but he is very invested in that sort of bringing Francophone Louisiana back. Um, and yeah, so check it out. <laughs> you have a big responsibility to. This is like you really have to navigate this thoughtfully. I often feel like. One of the things I like about what I do, you know, it's just, at the end of the day, it's just Taylor Swift. It's just glitter. There ain't no Taylor Swift emergencies. There ain't no dance party emergencies. Uh, it's never going to be life or death. But this is something, I mean, you're telling those stories is, is really important. 
Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny because I grew up in Lake Charles. I was aware of all of that, but what I like to say is like I left Louisiana as a 20-year-old who didn't care about Louisiana culture. I was just a young, stupid college student, and I wanted to skateboard and listen to music and <laughs> go to California. And um, and I I sort of grew to appreciate Louisiana culture as I was living abroad, as I call it. And I think that that happens to a lot of people from Louisiana. And I what drew me back to Louisiana was the culture. And, you know, we started making Roots of Fire because we thought the music was interesting. I, I didn't listen to Cajun music growing up. My grandfather did. Another thing I like to say is my grandpa met his second wife at a Cajun dance, like, you know, so, but that's kind of how I thought about Cajun music. And uh, Abby and I discovered that, you know, there was this younger scene in Lafayette that kind of came up in the late nineties, early two thousands. And it had a lot to do with the French immersion programs because all of a sudden there were all these kids who could speak French again and they could understand the language, they could write new music in the language and that created this very organic scene and we were making music docs for Pandora at the time and we were like, there's something here. So it, like we didn't come back as sort of, you know, to protect the culture. It was just, it was because we were interested in the music but as we got involved in the music, it, it, it just became, that's the story. This, it's a cultural story, it's not a music story. And so. <laughs> Julia, did asking for a friend work? Uh, is this something that continue? And uh, really put another way, how do you define success? With my events, I really try to make sure that there is a focus on, like I said, joy, levity, connection. So one thing I've really had to um, stop defining success by is like, the number of people who show up for an event, especially when I'm, you know, I like to try a lot of creative ideas. So some of these, it's like asking for a friend, that's a friendship networking event that happens every month. It's really simple, it's frequent, we know it's gonna work. Um, but I'm often trying an idea for the first time, which can often feel like starting a whole new business. It almost feels like every new event is, you're starting a whole new business. And I've had to really, um, stop myself from getting hung up on determining their success by the number of people because unless you know of course like broad strokes when you're doing it a few times um you can start to draw meaningful data points out but you just can never tell is it because it was on a sunday and not a wednesday is it because it rained at two o'clock today um so it could be a million things and i have to not you know, define the idea or my self-worth by how many people showed up. I like to I like to say that the size of the crowd does not determine the size of the party. And we all know that feeling of um, being in like a, you know, a dive bar at 3 a.m. and there's like seven people who decide to throw the hell down. And you know, like that's gonna be the best party. When those seven people decide to get rowdy, you know you're gonna have the best time. So. I really try to define success by the feeling that I'm leaving people with at the event. Um, and I often, you know, I know when I've hit on something that has really connected with people, even if, you know, e yeah, even if the numbers were not what I thought. I have a question for you. Um, so one of the musicians in our film jokes that if there's a football game, don't book a gig because you're going to lose. Yeah, so I was yeah. just curious how that works in your business. Like, are you often competing with other New Orleans events? And how do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, what are you supposed to do in New Orleans? There's so much fun to be had. There's so much fun stuff going on all the time. So I do try to, you know, you try to make smart, strategic choices. Like, I wouldn't do programming during a football game. But... Um, yeah, you can't you can't avoid everything, and you got to insert yourself as one of the things to be competed with. So asking for a friend has fallen on the same day as, um, you know, the Pride Parade, the uh, the St. Patrick's Day Parade, Swifty Fest was the weekend that Taylor Swift's concert was in Houston. 
So you're always going to be competing with something, yeah, for sure. But it's a good problem to have. It's a good city to be in. Now, we know that Jeremy came back as the prodigal son to, to Louisiana, <laughs> but what, what brought you here? You were, a, you were a, a nice young woman in New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. the opposite of Louisiana, I That's would think. That's right, yeah. yeah. I grew up in the greater Boston area, um, you know, a lot of... New England waspy repression, totally the opposite of coming down here. Um, but yeah, you said you you left Louisiana as a young dumb college kid, and I came to Louisiana as a as a young dumb college kid. <laughs> I came down in 2009 to go to Tulane, and um, yeah, just didn't leave after that. I guess I, I left for a minute, uh, 2016 <laughs> to 2018, but I, I came right back. The, the hooks are in me, you know. Well, that's a great for somebody that is in the fun business. I think you're in the yeah. in the right area yes. there. <laughs> Jeremy, and of course, we're just starting out here. I know you don't really have the answer, but what does what does AI mean for the future of entertainment in general? Oh my God! <laughs> Let me get out my dissertation. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a useful tool. Hopefully, it doesn't put us all out of business. Um, you know, we've been playing with some of the AI, you know, things like using chat GPT to help with grant writing, um, using some of the visual ones like Adobe Firefly to help with like, we, we just used it to, uh, we had a screening in Colorado about a month ago and we came up with a special cocktail for that event and used uh, Adobe Firefly to help us create a poster for that. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't have been able, I did it in like an hour, you know, at her, at my partner's parents' house over breakfast and I wouldn't be able to do that otherwise. So I, I think that's great. I don't know, time will tell whether or not, uh, it's going to replace us all. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think you're safe, by the way. I don't think it can replace fun. I think I'm safe. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling really good about your business. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremy, when you come to Louisiana, I would think um, listing out the names of the companies you've worked for would be pretty impressive in this market. Does, what's that pitch like? Um, yeah, you know, we thought that when we, like, we came back here in 2014, I believe, is when we bought our house in New Orleans. And I think that we thought that our resume and our reel was going to be a lot more impressive than it actually was. But I think that what draws people to New Orleans and why we all love it here is because people interact on a much more personal level. You know, so it's, I like to say that I can sit in a bar in New Orleans and make a friend and we can see each other every week and I'll never know what they did for a living. Um, and I and I love that about this place. And I think the, the way that translates into business is that people do business through a much more personal level. And it's not always about what you've done before. It's more about who you are and how you interact with them. And, and I think that's where we've been the most successful here is by just making personal relationships with people and, and kind of going from there. I think you hit it right on the the head right there that there's people not asking what you do uh people not asking you where you went to college thing, things like that they're more interested in you know who you present yourself as right now i that's a, now they do ask you where you went to high school but that's that's a whole that's a whole other thing they, uh, and surprisingly some of them know my high school even though it's three hours away so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah in this state you're either on i-10 or you're not on i-10 that's pretty the, yeah. the way it kind of the way it kind of works now, Julia, you had some other ends. We talked about comedy, but you're also a, a writer and an actor. Does that does that help in this in this particular case? I mean, you're uh, those aren't necessarily planning parties or making fun as such, but does, is there a crossover? 
There is. I, I do feel like the ideas, the creativity comes from the same place in me. So I often feel like when I create an event um, based on something that, here's an example. Um, I often joke around, around Father's Day, I often will joke to my friends like, send me all those hot pictures of your dads in the 70s. You know I want to look at your smoking hot daddies. <laughs> That's why I love Father's Day. I got to see all the hot dads. And, um, you know, so you could, it's like that could be written out as a whole, a whole stand-up joke, for example. Um, but in the event planning world, I kind of translated that idea into this past Father's Day, I had a delectable daddy's Father's Day pool party. So it was kind of a celebration of all, um, you know, like 70s, like short shorts dads, um, guys like that. We had a we had a themed party where everyone dressed up in, in 70s looks and it was at a pool party. We had free drinks for actual dads, but it was sort of a, a celebration of um, of zaddies and, and the horny honeys who love them. That's what we said. So it, that's just a, a good example of like, yeah, the ideas do seem to come from the same place. The things that I think are, are funny or charming or, or fun to, ideas that I think are fun to play with. I can often funnel those ideas that might have been, you know, previously funneled into comedy into, it's like, what's the event version of this, you know? People often talk nostalgically about how things were better back in the day, but even a diehard curmudgeon would have to admit that life is twice as much fun today. That's because we now have two ways to entertain ourselves, the old-fashioned way in real life and the 21st century way on a screen. Whichever way you prefer, having fun and being entertained is a serious business, and that's why we have a multi-billion dollar industry called simply the entertainment industry. Here in New Orleans, Julia, you're bringing us new and innovative ways to entertain ourselves in the real world, and Jeremy, you're creating filmed entertainment that runs the gamut from intellectually informative to frivolous fun. Thank you, Julia and Jeremy, for making our lives more enjoyable, and thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. This has been great. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Julia Delois, founder and creative director at Raising Hell Events, and Jeremy Lavoie, co-founder of Lavoie Creative and co-director of the movie Roots of Fire. We edited this show to fit into our time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Julia's events and Jeremy's films by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was reported live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com.
Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.